Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have Magdalena Hanna. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jonathan. See you again. Absolute pleasure. Always a pleasure to see you. And uh, yeah, we had uh, some very interesting conversation before we started the recording. <laughs> we have some commonalities here. So, <laughs> uh, but let's yes. start the podcast off with a uh, description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Right. So I, I'm a, I call myself a business productivity coach, but what I really am is a business consultant because I'm less more about teaching and more about hands-on help to business owners, small business owners, and specifically to personal brands online. Well, I've been in marketing for now, it, it's going to be 18 years, and I'm scared to say that because I'm getting older and older. <laughs> And marketing has always been my passion. So hence why I've chosen this career. I've been advising people with their businesses for years. Um, I'm currently on my third business myself. So uh, it's been only natural that I wanted to kind of progress into helping people full time. This is something that I absolutely love, something that I've always been passionate about. Like I said, marketing, I've, I've been in multiple industries. Um, it, it's been something that kind of guided me throughout my life. I'm fascinated about marketing as it is. I think it's an art form and I think it should be treated as such. And what, what really pained me and what really made me go into this is that marketing is often treated as something bad, as something coercive, something um, that is a form of manipulation, which if done right, it's it's not really the case. So yeah, that that's how I've actually started. Um, through my, we, we had this conversation before we started about our love to, towards cleanliness and and uh, you know uh, minimalism and stuff like that. I started with productivity because those values are very close to me, uh, and that's how I actually started helping entrepreneurs uh, with their journey. Um, and in fact, I actually created a framework called AIPD for coaches, consultants and freelancers, which uh, we've had the pleasure or I've had the pleasure of being awarded a sustainability and innovation award for that specific framework. And then I kind of naturally progressed to my biggest love, which is marketing. And here I am. Wow, that's incredible. And yeah, I like that. I love how you kind of knew what you wanted to do right off the get go. But it's one of those things that like, did you start off in, uh, you know, in marketing? Like, did you just right off the gate, go to school, get out of school, boom, you're into marketing, here you go, and you know exactly what you want to do, and you're never changing, and, uh, <laughs> you know, here you go, right? <laughs> Was that the way it worked? Or, or did you have something before you got to that? I mean, that would be lovely if that was the case. But um, no, I, I've actually worked some odd jobs as a young teenager when I was still at school. I I, I took every single job that I could. Like I, I sold things. I, I actually even kind of put together like little toothpaste with little toothbrushes. <laughs> Imagine that in a little <laughs> warehouse. So I've done all sorts of things before I knew what I wanted to do. And to be quite fair with you, I didn't entirely know what I wanted to do up until I reached the age of 30. I mean, I loved marketing and I knew that I wanted to do that because it gave me an opportunity to express myself, to be creative uh, and to, to do something that I'm interested in um, and to combine the topic of my studies, which was neuroanthropology uh, with marketing and kind of go out there and observe people, how they behave, uh, how they react to those marketing cues. And I found it fascinating since I was a kid, but it's not that I wanted to do this as a career. In fact, I was really apprehensive of becoming a coach and a consultant 
And you know, through previous conversation with me, um, the reason for that is because I think there's a lot of things in the industry uh, that could use a lot of work and that I don't necessarily agree with. Right. See, and I want to say something like, uh, uh, you know, you said earlier that uh, a lot of times people see marketing as manipulative and stuff like that. And reality is, I, I agree with you. I think that's one point of it. But I also believe that people see marketing as um, something that isn't mandatory and something they'll do later. Like when I was in the marketing business, I actually had somebody who told me that he will market, start marketing his business once he makes a million dollars. And the reality is, if that's your, you know, your uh, end goal, and that's when you're going to start marketing, you're either never going to market or you're never going to make a million dollars. More than likely, you're going to be out of business before you even make 50 cents. But I didn't want to be, uh, you know, I didn't want to be so blatant with the guy. And I just, you know, let him believe it. I said my, my piece and that was uh, totally up to him. Right. But it, it's just like some of the thoughts that people have is kind of crazy. And, you know, it's like they missed the whole point of what marketing is. And, yeah. I think I think I think you're right here. I think the the biggest um, pain over here is that people don't really understand what marketing is. And in fact, a lot of times marketing is being confused for a lot of other things like sales, like branding, like PR, uh, which marketing is none of those things and all of those things, to be quite honest, because they're all interconnected. But marketing is a separate field. Uh, by itself. And a lot of the times people don't understand what marketing really is for, which is mainly it's about visibility. Mainly it's about uh, presenting something to people, presenting yourself to people uh, in a way that would make you be seen. It does not mean that you're going to sell with marketing, although it is the first part of the journey. Uh, but I think that a lot of people confuse all of those things and just shove them into the same bag. 1000%, right? Like my favorite one is uh, at a party. Oh, what do you do? Well, I'm in the marketing business. And my favorite question right after, what type of marketing do you do? There is no type of marketing. Marketing is something you do. You mean to say, what form of advertising do I participate in? And there's a difference between advertising and marketing. It, it, it just boggles my mind that uh, there's a level of confusion about this and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I guess, how would people know? But it's just, it's mind boggling to me at the same time. But uh, with that being said, right, like let, let's get into the topic of brand, right? Because part of marketing is building a brand. And, and, and that's that's essentially the purpose of marketing your business. So now what I would say is like, what would be your thoughts on branding? And like, like, like describe what, what, what you think about branding, like what your perception of it is and like what people should be doing to work on that. Yeah, so you know, I'm very passionate about the topics of influence, topics of authority, which are well, very much connected with building a brand and position yourself in the marketplace. Uh, and I think what I see as branding is definitely not, you know, the logos, the colors and, and the feelings that you have for a brand. Uh, but, you know, specifically, I can speak to what I help with, which is personal branding, is presenting the yourself or the values that you represent uh, to people and positioning yourself in the marketplace in a way that would make you stand out and make you the only logical choice for the people. That is the purpose of branding to me. But of course, everybody sees branding differently. I mean, branding is has so many facets, right? It has the positioning uh, aspect. It has the messaging aspect. It has 
the connection aspect with with your desired audience. It's also repelling the wrong people. Um, I mean, branding is so many things, but it's so much more than just you know brand colors, logos, and and nice graphics. Absolutely, and the one thing it's not is what you think it is. <laughs> and what I mean is everyone has this idea of what they think it is. My brand is, I mean, reality yeah. is we all want to dictate what our brand is, but the reality is brand is just another word for reputation. And our reputation yes. is basically what our customers think of us, not what we think of us. That's beautifully said. And and you may, you know, input put a lot of stickers on you, on yourself, right? Of what you think you are, just as, you know, in, in the coaching and consulting industry, there's so many people thinking that I'm just going to slap, you know, the uh, the title of a coach or a consultant on myself or an agency on myself. And that's exactly what I am. Whereas whilst you're in it and you spend years working with actual clients, uh, it kind of changes because you realize that first of all, uh, you may be not as good as the things that you thought you were good at, uh, that people are actually paying attention to completely different aspects of your branding and that you might actually be called something that you would never expect because your unique selling point changes with time. And it's kind of like, that's another story. It's kind of like with, you know, choosing a niche and finding a niche. I'm a big proponent of actually finding a niche as you work with physical clients rather than choosing a niche and boxing yourself into one specific thing before you're ready and before you know what your brand actually is, before you find that voice, before you, well, go in there and start working with people and you find out from others what they think that your strong suits are, what they think that you stand out the most in. Because a lot of the times, and, and the statistics say 72% of the time, people do jump niches, do jump what they actually do, and do have to change their branding, which, as we know, both of us, uh, we've been in business for quite a while, confuses the the, the audience and uh, causes a lot of disruption to your business, essentially. Well, I'm hoping that's not true because my uh, brand of my podcast is really out there because do I do business? Do I do real estate? Do I like, I I'm confusing people all the time. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. You've been in it for way too long to be confused by at this point. So yeah. <laughs> but with that being said, right? Like you, I love how you said with the niche stuff uh, and you're right. Too many times do people go out there and they're trying to be everything for everybody. And every time you ask that question, who's your customer? Everyone. No. If you're something to everyone, you're actually something to no one. Right? Like, it's like the biggest growth. And, and even my own personal thing. Like, the first two years of my real estate business stunk. I don't know if I would, I would qualify in the top three of the worst real estate agent to exist in my first two years. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it, it just stunk. And that's because I try, even though I knew better, I, I, I was worried of letting go and I'm trying to be everything for everybody. I could do this. I could do that. I can go here. I tell you that first two years, nobody have seen as many homes as I did. I went through 4,200 homes in those two years. And out of those 4,200 homes, I can count on one hand how many homes I sold in, mm -hmm. in, in each year. You know what I mean? It was ridiculous. How can I see so many homes and they bought with everyone but me, right? Because what I did was confusing because I was all over the place. And when I learned a niche down, that's when everything started to change for me. 
So that was my struggle where I'm going to lead into you and ask you, what was your biggest pain point when you started getting into the business and even towards today? Well, there's there's actually two stories to that because there's a reasoning why I'm doing what I'm doing, which is I'm focusing specifically on building authority and influence. Uh, Firstly, is because I believe that the world is confusing as it is and we really need strong leaders. Uh, But it has a personal story behind it uh, as much as it has the the more global kind of thought behind of what I'm doing uh, because I believe that we should have more extensive more general knowledge than just that niche down that we actually choose and uh, why I say that it's not good to box yourself down before you actually know what your messaging is what your branding is what are you really good at before you actually work with clients physically is because I have put a niche on myself, which I thought that's exactly what I want to do. Uh, this is what I want to work. This is who I want to work with. This is this, this is the problem that I want to solve from the get-go. And I wasn't prepared for the fact that I would miss something that I'm really good at. Like I said, I started from productivity and this was something that I've even, you know, received awards, like I said, uh, amongst really, really prominent people, like we're talking Marissa Peer, Robin Sharma, uh, people like that. So it was quite an achievement, but it wasn't something that I really wanted. I wanted to be hands in the business with the people. I wanted to help them with marketing, with branding, with sales, all sorts of stuff. But because I have chosen a niche a little bit prematurely um, I was working with a completely different set of people that I'm working with right now and it was really hard for me to jump from one thing to another and I think that was the most difficult or challenging part out of it because like I said I confused the hell out of my audience Uh, my audience was not really the type of audience that I'm working with right now which is growing uh, and scaling coaches and consultants mainly business Uh, coaches and consultants not life coaches not um, mentors and and stuff like that so and and I tend to work with multiple business owners but you see I had to work with a ton of people to realize this is what really makes me happy this is what challenges me this is what allows me to grow as much as allows the people that I work with to grow so I think that was the biggest challenge that I was facing when I was first starting out is I I kind of put myself in that box and I didn't know how to get myself out of it gotcha right well that that's the thing right being in a box does restrict you and of course I I believe in niches right but at the same time your customers are going to tell you who you are your customers tell you yeah. what your brand is, like we said, right? So it's kind of hard to tell you, you know, figure out what your specialty is, you know, when you haven't even started. No, so. and you can't because because unless you go in there and I, unless you start working with people, I mean, you can, uh, you can, you know, try and think that you think that you're good at something or uh, try and, you know, modulate being somebody, like I said, you can slap that, that, <laughs> that sticker on yourself or the title on yourself. I am the expert of, but unless you actually go in there in the trenches, you're with that, with the people, with actual people, with businesses where your decisions kind of are, you're responsible for what happens in their business, essentially, then you can't really tell, you can't really know what, what this one thing is going to be. Well, I was going to go to my printer, grab a sticker and just put it on my forehead so everybody can see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I should actually start, you know, printing T-shirts. It's like, I do this. I, I really like those, like, we used to, back in the day, there used to be those T-shirts, like, I am a marketer. I solve problems that you didn't know you have. <laughs> oh, I love that one. In the ways that you don't know how. <laughs> hey, that, so, that, that, yeah. yeah, that'll spur questions for sure. <laughs> there you now, go. There you go. Well, look, here's the other thing, right? Like, what do you think of, uh, of networking? Like, like, I mean, once upon a time, everybody used to go uh, to events or something and they just pass out business cards and in their mind, they were networking. Now, I don't know about you. How many times have you gone somewhere, got a lot of, you know, business cards, put it in your pocket or put it in your purse or put it somewhere. It sits there for weeks. And then by the time you take it out, you don't even remember who these people are. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that that's happened. Right. So to me, if that was the networking event, it kind of went down the drain. Right. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm from the times where we used to do, I used to go to a lot of networking meetings where we've done those uh, business cards and we were taught how to hold a business card, how to do an elevator speech, you know, how to introduce yourself and all of that stuff. But the fact of the matter is um, the networking, the real networking, and I think it's very valuable. Uh, it's not so much in the first impressions and the first meetings, uh, although and many people will tell you that. Of course, you have to make a good first impression to for a person to even want to speak to you. But I think that the real networking happens after the meetings, not on the meeting itself, um, because it's how you cultivate the relationships later on rather than those first impressions or, or what you told people that you do. Boom, right there. You said it. Relationships, right? That's the key component here because everybody wants to, you know, here's a business card or here's my 50% uh, off coupon. Boom, got a customer. Off I go. But reality is, even if you get some people with those stupid tactics or old school tactics, you don't retain them. Having a customer once really means that you're constantly always on the stakeout. You're always looking. You're always trying to, you know, get new people. And eventually, there's only so many people you're going to come across. And I don't mean it as in a scarcity thing, but the best customers are the ones you've already had because they know you. They know what they're exactly. getting, right? So, exactly. and when you build relationships, they tend to refer you to people and they tend to repeat. And then that, and that's how you end up being a long-term business. So I love that. You said it right there with that relationship thing. Now, the other thing, going with the network thing today, I think, like where I was going with this, today, today's day is, um, is you said it again. Again, 100% you said it. It's after the initial meet. Now, the network meet is really just to bump into people and uh, shake hands. And then uh, where it comes down to is I'm less interested in giving you my business card and I'm more interested in getting your information so I can follow up with you and keep in touch with you on a regular basis. Absolutely. And I think it's that element of being genuinely interested in another person, right? Because everybody talks to talk about themselves. But what makes you really stand out in the crowd, and especially now when it's so noisy, where there's so many people, is whether or not you actually pay attention to the person you're speaking to. And our biggest need is the need to be seen, the need to be appreciated. So if you just flip the script on this one thing, uh, bear in mind, it will immediately make you stand out, um, out of the crowd, or, or it's going to make the person 
that is speaking to you feel that little bit more special, that little bit more seen. And it will make them more inclined to want to continue the relationship with you or collaboration with you. So uh, yeah, that that those are some very important parts of running a successful business nowadays. So anybody who thinks that I can do it on my own or, you know, the people that I can't stand, people that never seem to reach out to you and then they, you know, they land in your inbox with overly excited attitude or over or too much closeness, like, hello, babe, how are you? I can't stand that because... If you have not cultivated our relationship together for months and months and suddenly you're babying me in my in my inbox, it, it kind of it feels icky. It feels unnatural. And I'm going to know that immediately. You know, I don't even need to be in this business or or in marketing for a long time to know. Uh, but being in marketing for a long time it makes me even more disgusted when I say things like that. So these are very important things to pay attention to. And, and bear in mind, 60, I'm, I'm very big on statistics, so I'm so sorry, 60, 70% of coaches and consultants never follow up with their clients. Um, another group of people, majority of people, I would say 90%, after the sale, they never follow up with their clients of how their experiences are, which this is a very big thing of what I do with my clients. So customer experiences, to me, are the base of building influence on authority and those recurring revenue um, options or, or getting people back into your your space, yeah, your, your environment, is how much are they enjoying the journey? How much are they getting from it? What does the experience feel like? Are they looked after? Are they taken care of? And I believe not enough people actually do those things post the sale, right? And that makes a massive difference. There's so many people that don't finish courses, so many people that don't follow through, don't get the results. Uh, and I think, you know, people who are, don't understand the power of building strong relationships, I mean like real relationships, not the babing in the DMs, don't, don't see how much power it has in terms of repeat clients, not having to chase people online, not having to, you know, sit, get up every day just thinking like where was my next client come from because you just have that influx of clients because people who are in your vicinity or collaborate with you or cooperate with you or are your clients they know this is what I can expect from this person I feel seen I feel looked after I feel taken care of and therefore you know it's for much easier for me to say look there's this person they do this and that and I think they would be perfect for you yeah absolutely right and, and there you go that, that I love that so what I want to ask you now, like where I want to go with this is that uh, we obviously agree that relationship business is where everything starts. And that's where your reputation, you know, builds as well, because, you know, they, people will remember how you made them feel. Yeah. So when you, when, when you don't follow up, especially after you collect payment from them, they're going to remember mm, that. Yeah. They're going to say, ah, the only time the guy calls is when there's a check. And I think we've all had yeah. this type of person where we meet somebody, we stay in contact for a bit, then all of a sudden time fades and you don't hear from them. It's been like a, or her, it's been like a year that goes by and all of a sudden your phone rings, you look and you see their name. What's the first thing that goes in your mind? They want from something from me. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> what the F do they want? You know what I mean? Like, and you know that. And 99% of the time when you pick up that phone, if you even pick it up, you're bang on. They're looking for something. Now, why, why in the world would anyone in the right mind want to help someone who only calls when they need something or you haven't firm heard from them in over a year. 
It's like even those stag tickets, you know, Hey, you want to come to my stag? We haven't talked in 15 years. Why the hell would I want to do that? You know what I mean? Like clearly we don't have a relationship, you know, (laughs) it's crazy. Because it doesn't just work in business. I mean, it works the same, you know, in everyday life. It's, it's, you've always, everyone has that one person that just always calls you when they want something in life. It doesn't have to be business. It's like, okay, are you just out of people that you were supposed to meet and you just suddenly (laughs) realize I'm here? You know, it's that kind of feeling. And nobody likes to be overlooked like that. Nobody likes to be treated, you know, or dating game right now, you know, this young people and I'm I'm single now (laughs) after years and years. Uh, And and I find it super weird, you know, all the ghosting, all the like, you know, we're having a conversation, suddenly you're gone. I, I don't understand that because transparency it it goes a long way right and it makes people feel more secure in the relationship regardless of whether it's a personal or a business uh cooperation it just makes people feel more secure and if you're more secure you're more inclined to want to see this person again meet this person again recommend this person to somebody you know it's just natural i I don't know how people can't see that right or even uh look i'm sure you've been uh surprised uh, or not surprised depending um, where you ha- you're out on a date or something and all of a sudden they're in front of you and you're like this and then you're oh, like oh okay the person's not interested and then they're genuinely shocked that you think that they're not interested well why would you say that well because i spent the last 10 minutes watching you on your damn freaking phone it doesn't look like you're interested i'm like it's like i'm talking to a brick wall <laughs> yeah. right like like it's crazy how some of the stuff it's almost like people lost touch yeah which on, on social uh what's the word i want to look on uh on proper social etiquette yeah yeah and the equivalent of that that phone sitting i would say in the dms is uh you know just asking asking questions from scripts and not listening to answers i I think that's that's the great equivalent in business of of sitting on your phone essentially so you don't really care what i answer so what's the point in me answering you know it's true yeah, or the the best one is oh, I I listened to your episode, um, <laughs> and uh, I think your content is so good. You know, I've never heard anything so great like this. And you're right away, you know, right away. Okay, what are you trying to sell me here? You know what I mean? Like it's just like you know. And I would and I would I, assume somebody would say, do you want to learn public speaking? So something that you're really good at, and they're actually going to come up. It's like, yeah, I know okay. it's it's crazy. Or, or the best one is the best one I got from that where someone uh, told me how great my episode was and they said something like they tried to get specific and I didn't even say that in my podcast. Like, in fact, actually they said two parts. The first part I never even answered or said in my podcast. It was like, so I don't know. They must've made it up. And the second part that they said, I I literally said the polar opposite in my podcast. So it's like, it's all, you know, like it was madness. It's like, if you're going to make a stupid comment about my podcast, at least I actually know what I said. It's I mean, like, exactly. I mean, exactly. Like podcast episodes are long, yeah? So let's just say, okay, you didn't have the time to watch the full episode, so maybe you missed something. But the best ones are the posts. You know, a post is a short post where I, I recently, some time ago, I actually posted about being on a Podcast Rebels episode, which is a s- exclusive podcast for people who have gone past six figures so you have to actually earn six figures to be on the podcast in the first place and i I posted earn six figures monopoly money or real money no actual real money that's the funny (laughs) part so you have to in order to even get on that podcast you have to you have to you know present a 
a specific amount that you're earning. Uh, and I posted that, hey, I've been on this podcast episode. I, I was just inviting people to listen to it, you know, listen to my thoughts about authority, influence, blah, 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 marketing and stuff like that. And I had a person reach out to me and say, are you still struggling with your coaching business? Uh, or I listened to your episode, started with, I listened to your episode or, or congratulations on being on the top 100 podcast, blah, 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 podcast rebels. Blah, blah, blah. I listened to your episode. Are you still struggling with your coaching business? I was like, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> and I actually lost my call. Uh, and it ended up with, with this person shouting at me that I'm like, I'm losing my call, which is like, come on, you, are you serious? <laughs> I just literally, I lost, I was lost for words. I didn't know what to say. It was like, it was a post. It it took, literally took two minutes to read it. I'm like, why, why would you even, I don't understand. I know. <laughs> That's the kind of people I just can't stand. Yeah, you can't. Sometimes you just got to ignore them and pretend they didn't, you know what I mean? And then the best one is you don't answer them. Like you just ignore them, block or whatever, just get rid of it. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, it's like another six posts of the same thing. It's like, I didn't read the first five. Why do you think I'm going to answer the sixth? You're just annoying yeah. me now, right? It's like, it, it's unbelievable some of the things that people do. Um, and another one guy just, like I said, I've lost my cool before too. Not often, but once in a while. And I remember this guy yeah, going it's on. It's not like I always on. do this, but this time I was no. like, what do I answer? What 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 do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah. But like this one person went on, right? And he's trying to tell me how great and he can help my clients with this and help my clients with that. So I just said, uh, I go, look. It's great that you want to help my clients, but I don't have any. So how about you just send me the clients? I'll 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 get my uh, cut out of it because I'll do the job. I'll get my commission. Then I'll send them right back to you, and you can help them. How about that? I go and I go, buddy. You don't even have to answer because it it's rhetorical. I go. <laughs> you don't need a sale from me. You need a sales coach. I go and if you want, I can help you with that. And for five hundred bucks, I'll be help help you to help you you know, as a sales coach. Crap. I didn't think he would actually follow through. He really, he was ready to, you know, he was all ready to go. He wanted to learn. I was like, I, I just, I was trying to make a point, but you're actually willing to buy it. A lot of the time, a lot of the time <laughs> you can actually sell back to those people. But the problem is, you know, when I lose my call is when I'm talking to a very entitled and very assured person yes. in their skills and expertise, whereas they don't even have the decency to, to kind of check who you are and what you do uh, and what stage you're at and is what you're offering actually valuable to the person you're speaking to because it, it always isn't you know I'm not working with everybody I, I can't pretend even you know probably there's skills that you have that I don't have that I wouldn't be able to provide for my clients and that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of having so many different people and this is the thing, right? We thrive by collaboration. So I'm always open to collaboration. Where I lost my cool is when somebody messages you like 20 times, even after you say, no, thank you, not interested. Um, and what it is, is almost like the, they, they take these courses that say, you know, like no is just a, one more no is closer to a yes. And, you know, I mean, you got to be uh, persistent. And it's like, buddy, when I'm saying no, thank you, it's not being persistent. I really mean no, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, especially after you said no thanks three times. Okay, Absolutely. you've been persistent, and I'll move on. Right? So it's, and when they keep going on and on, and then eventually I lost my cool, like you said, right? Like, because it's too much. But anyways, I mean, going moving forward, now with uh, my next question is going to be, like, we talked about some of your obstacles, right? Now let's talk about what would, would your uh, biggest uh, success be to date? 
And I'm, I don't mean financial dollar rise. I'm talking about that moment where things were just flowing so well that you have like that aha moment. It's like, I'm, this is where I belong. I'm supposed to be here. This is great. And you, and you feel good about everything you've done and you just want to grow more. Yeah. So there's two moments. And one one is related directly to one of the clients that I was working with. Uh, and funnily enough, it was one of my first multiple business owners that I've worked with. And I was so stressed out, I remember, when I when he first came to me. He came to me as a referral. Uh, and he just wanted one little thing to 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 for me to help him with his business. He just wanted some advice and ended up ended up with us actually working together. In fact, at that time, I believe he's invested in two programs, one of which being mine uh, and one of which being late Bob Proctor's, which of course tickled me a little bit because, you know, Bob Proctor is, is somebody to look up to, definitely. Um, and we started working on all sorts of facets of his business. First of all, he was really overwhelmed and really stressed out. So we kind of approached the productivity aspect, but it's also he was also very keen on learning more marketing and sales for his businesses. So we, we kind of approached it. It was a behemoth. It was, like, it was a huge project to kind of approach. Uh, but thanks to working with him uh, and me seeing his results, me seeing his journey of changing, coming from a stressed out person that actually was thinking about you know ending his life at a certain point not having time for his friends not having time for his family being absolutely overwhelmed with life to one success to another to five figure deals to six figure deals to having more time for himself to sleeping more to finding the love of his life it started, it just went like an avalanche, you know, and, and he started getting so much successes. I started looking at what kind of people do I want to work with? That kind of completely changed the script for me because before that, before working with him, I was like, like you said, I'm going to work with everybody and their mother <laughs> and I'm just going to help everyone. Uh, and at that point, I just, I just realized the concept of great quality clients people that are ready for coaching, people that are coachable, people that show up every single time and they're completely prepared and they do what you give them and they implement it and they take into consideration your suggestions or your opinions or things that you discuss with them. And it kind of completely changed the game for me. So that was one of the things that that completely made me kind of focus on different things when I was coaching people, I was approaching other people. And that kind of led to me creating the authority and influence, which my, my main program is uh, No Niche Authority. It's all about building authority and influence online. Uh, and I started realizing, hey, it's not about the massive followings, you know, uh, a huge audience. It's about those good quality clients that are going to recommend others on repeat. And that kind of took out the, you know, the chasing after people from the equation. And I think the second thing that I'm really proud of is my podcast. Uh, you've actually been a, a wonderful guest recently on Habits of Influence. Habits of Influence is a passion project. It's completely funded by me for this time being. Um, me and my co-host, we, we kind of share the same values. We see the same things that kind of pain us, bother us. That's why sometimes I lose my core. It's because there's certain <laughs> things that I just can't stand. And what I can't stand is lack of transparency and lying and, and taking people's money where there's 
there's not enough quality in your delivery to justify the prices or justify what you're doing in the first place. Um, and that usually comes with entitlement, which I can't stand. So we start the habits of influence to speak about those good, the, the good, but also the bad and the ugly sides of entrepreneurship, about all those lies, about all those things that are left unsaid, about, you know, the tactics that are being used uh, or abused uh, that are causing my beloved marketing to be seen in that wrong way, that are causing people to be more and more apprehensive towards working with coaches, which I think working with a coach is super valuable. I have a coach. I, I've had a coach before. Uh, I'm coaching other people. I believe that there's always space for improvement. There's always somebody above you. There's always somebody below you that you can help. But having that understanding that I don't know it all, that it's an constant game of up you know making having more skills um learning new knowledge or, or learning new things says it's a forever changing landscape whilst you have this this thought in your head that you're not the best that you don't know everything you know you're going to probably succeed so i i want to go out there to to people who are working the hardest but are most overlooked because for example they don't know how to market themselves against those sharks you know that are super great at marketing but they have like for example crappy courses or crappy delivery this is why we've created this and i'm super super proud because it's starting to reach um really high people <laughs> and those yeah. people are also changing their narrative slowly slowly it's it's going slowly but it has a very powerful impact and i think that's what matters to me the most and this is something that i want to keep putting my time and effort into despite like i said it's not profitable for me yet i'm putting money into it but i know that it's important that those are the conversations that we should be having uh, and also we should be presenting people that have actual experience in business rather than people who assume that they are great at something and they present themselves as experts. Like I said, creating leaders rather than those stickers and those titles. Absolutely love this. In light of time, I'm going to get to uh, ask you two more uh, questions and then I'm going to go into what I call the lightning round. So second last question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day? very lenient on myself I'm going to be honest uh when I was a when I first started with productivity I used to do all those like to-do lists and you know schedules and scoring myself was I productive was I not productive I, I would say that I'm more laid back right now um maybe because it's more intuitive at this point uh, and I just know I've got stuff to do I don't know if I can swear so <laughs> I've got Go stuff to do uh, and I know it's um it's needed for my progression but as long as I feel that at the end of the week, a project that I wanted to finish is finished, I'm good. I'm, I'm not looking at it on a, on a daily basis. Uh, I know by now when it's time to stop. I know when it's time to get myself to work. And I know what mind frame I need to be. But I'm also very big on boundaries. And I'm also very big on the fact that I don't want to miss out on the time I have with my son. Because I think that pained me the most when I first started. I was a workaholic. I was working so much. I had my son at a certain point come to me and say, of course you don't have time. And it really hurt me. And I thought, hey, is this really worth it? Because he's going to be so tiny just for a little while, right? And he's going to grow up very, very fast. So I had to 
kind of see my, at my priorities, kind of restructure my priorities a little bit. So for me, a successful day is a balanced day, a day where I spend time with my son, a day where I help him with his homework, a day where we can go and see something, and also a day where I'm actually working on my projects. And I know that by the end of the week, they're going to be done, finished, closed. Uh, that That's what I would class as a successful day. Lovely. Last but not least is how do people find you? Where would they go? <laughs> so uh, I'm mainly on Facebook. Facebook is my favorite place to be. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on LinkedIn yet. Probably will be at some point. I mean, there's accounts over there, but I'm not really sitting there and talking to people. Facebook is the best place, best bet. Um, so either my Facebook page, which is now at this point, the Marketing Rebel, uh, or my personal profile, which is facebook.com forward slash chat with Magdalena. You can follow me. You can interact with me. I will always answer. Like, I don't think that you can actually send me a message, but by all means, interact with me in the comments. And as a, if I see you that you're actually building a relationship with me, I might accept your uh, invitation to for friends list, right? Because I don't just accept invitations, random ones. Uh, but if you interact with me, by all means, I'm very happy to, to chat with you. Um, just see that you are genuinely interested in who I am and, and something that we can exchange. Uh, but you can also find a lot of resources, a lot of my stuff, my podcast on my website, which is home.magdalenahanna.com. And that's your best bet for any free classes, any free resources, ebooks, trainings, uh, and also information about the programs so, or how you can work with me as well. Fantastic. Let's get into the lightning round, which is going to be question number one is going to be what is your favorite food and why? Oh God, pizza. And I'm so ashamed of that. I absolutely Why? love pizza. I don't know. It's just, I, I, I spent whole all of my life trying to give into that diet culture, right? I always wanted <laughs> to be thinner and slimmer and fit and stuff like that, but I just can't help but love pizza. I think that's the best food that was ever created. I, I don't think there's anything better in the world. I swear to God. Love that. Love that. <laughs> I understand the whole diet thing here, whatever. I'm on uh, one of those things where I'm uh, eating meats and vegetables only, no sugars, no carbs. Um, it's uh, not keto. Everyone keeps saying, oh, it's keto. No, I'm not on keto. I, I don't have the uh, fat crap. Like, like, the, like, I'm not like keto. You can have a lot of oils and stuff. And I'm not sitting there mm. having oils, right? Because, you know, sure, it might help. If you're on keto, it might help with uh, weight, but it's not going to help with your heart. If you're, dumping oils it's down not there. and i've actually tried it and i felt so unwell and so unhealthy it was actually the unhealthiest that i've ever been but to be quite fair you know what i was diagnosed with a thyroid problem uh gotcha. nine months back and i started taking medication i mean it made me gain weight a lot lose my mind almost you know it, it, it impacted a lot of things but i in the last nine months when i started taking medication for my thyroid surprisingly enough i lost 24 pounds of weight i've never had a healthier relationship with food i eat everything every single group um i just i don't diet anymore i don't look at what i eat i don't limit myself my body knows best and there you go i've lost weight i, I feel the best that i that i have in years yeah, like for me, again, it goes by what works for you, right? And I'm not doing it for weight loss, although I'll take it. Um, I'm doing it just health-wise, right? Like the way I feel. Like prime example, after being on that, uh, you know, changing my lifestyle and changing what I eat, how I eat and stuff like that, nine days later, I became wide awake, like to the point that even at nighttime where everyone's like this, right? Or, you know, sometimes you need a nap. I'm like this wide awake. I'm like, eyes mm. bulging out. I mean, I can't even sleep. And it's like, not because I don't want to, you know, like as I can't sleep, something's wrong. I mean, just like, it's like, I'm full of energy. 
uh, like the way mm. I was in my 20s and 30s, right? Like com- completely full of energy. And uh, and you know what? I feel good like that. So that's why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it, you know, try to alter this or try to alter that. No, if I'm, you know, if I'm wide awake and I don't, I don't need naps anymore. And you know what I mean? Obviously it's working for me. Um, it doesn't yeah, mean whatever, that. Whatever uh, works. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, if I'm at an event or something or I'm having something uh, like I have a cheat day every so often just where I just have what I want. And, you know, what I mean, I'm not so, uh, I'm not, you know, it's not my new religion. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that I, I do it. But if it's not working for me, I'll allow myself to slip that day. Hmm. So. I think whatever, whatever, you know, it's different things are going to work for different people. It's just because I was... I had such an unhealthy relationship with food all of my life um, that I just decided for once in my life, in my 30s, I, I just want to live <laughs> like a normal exactly. person. I get it. All right. Question number two, favorite travel spot and why? I'd have to say China. It's just because it was my favorite trip that I ever had. Uh, and it's because it was so different. It's so culturally rich. Um, and I'm big on culture. There you go. Neuroanthropology. Um it's it's just so different you know when you go through china you go through a little village that is just you know just just growing tea and stuff like that and people live very slow and and they they're not really bothered by you know those everyday global things and then you go to shanghai for example where you've got the 24th century you know toilets that are flushing themselves before you even touch anything you know uh, it's it's just amazing. It's just so different, and uh, people are so disciplined. It's just something really worth seeing. It, it's just a completely different game to what we are accustomed to here in the West. Gotcha. All right, favorite podcast or book? Favorite podcast or book? Oh gosh, you got me here. I really love the books of Barefoot Doctor. I don't know if you've heard about him. Um, he's no. actually passed away a few years back. He writes those kind of a uh, little bit spiritual, psychological approaches to everyday things. Uh, right. But it's just an alternative of how you can think. In fact, I think he's, he's done a um, manifesto. Or I, I'm not going to tell you exactly how. Well, we'll have to reach out to you after the podcast. Uh, but all of his books are absolutely the kind of books that you go back to over and over and over and over. And every single time you read them, you find something new that is relevant to your journey right now because we change, right? And, yeah. and there's some amazing books that you just keep on reading and you always find something else, something that would be helpful to your situation right now or open up like this this little you know piece of your brain um, that you just needed at this very moment. So Barefoot Doctor is definitely my favorite author. Gotcha. Last but not least, if you were given unlimited amount of money, but you had 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep. What you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? Can I invest? You can. I can. Yes. All right. So if I only had 48 hours, I definitely would have taken at least 60% of that money and invested so that my son could use it and his family could use it. So a smart investment that uh, my child uh, or my family could benefit from, I would probably travel more. Uh, because I just suddenly realized recently that, you know, all the material things, um, they are not really as important as the experiences that we have in life. So 
you know, my child is now big enough to to travel with me because for the longest time I just couldn't travel because he had to be at school or he was too tiny or he wouldn't be able to. Uh, and I had nobody to leave him with. And now I'm kind of more inclined to, I still want to see something. I still want to experience something. So I would spend a good chunk on that. I would probably also buy, invest in real estate. That's that's another thing that I would want to actually, I would I would get a get a house or a complex of houses that, that could actually work for me for the future. So I wouldn't really be splurging. I would like, investment is most of it. Love it. All right. I want to say thank you for being on the show. It's been phenomenal. It's such a pleasure and such an honor. Thank you so much for having me, John. My pleasure. If you like what you saw, subscribe to the link below.